You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio. You're listening to Fisher Family Ghosts. A Six Feet Under companion podcast. I'm Sam Dingman. I'm Adrian Bain. Fishheads, hello. Hello. I snuck it in again. You wanted to talk. Oh my God. About a certain someone from last week's show. Well, I feel like there were some things that we skipped over last week. Yes, tell me everything. And I feel like we were so blinded by Hurricane Angela, the female embalmer, that we didn't even talk about how she accidentally outed David. That is huge. Like, and I know that on her end, it wasn't malicious. She probably thought that the mom knew already, but also given that she went on this whole rant of like, oh, I just felt like it was better to say nothing, then maybe she could also infer that David had done the same with his sexuality. So mm, she doesn't put all the pieces together. So I'm super curious to see how this is going to unfold, but also like outings, like that's just such a big deal. And especially within the context of this story where a huge part of the plot has been David keeping his sexuality a secret. Yeah. And from his mom, mostly. Mostly from his mom. But it's so true. I mean, it doesn't even occur to Angela that... Ruth doesn't know. She wouldn't know. It it doesn't even... Even with the caveat you gave, which is that she thought to herself, this seems like a house where you don't talk about the fact that you broke a cup. Mm-hmm. The idea that a mom wouldn't know her son's sexuality is beyond comprehension. Yeah. So here's the question. Who strikes you as more abnormal in that scene? Ruth for not knowing or Angela for brazenly revealing it without giving a thought? That's a great question. I would definitely say if there was a spectrum of personalities that they're both on the opposite extreme ends. I didn't really think (laughs) that either of them was like normal in it. Just thinking about being Angela right now, because she was trying to help him, right? She was like, I want to set him up with someone. Whereas Ruth, I think, is just always trying to protect her children. We didn't get Ruth's reaction, right? So that's something that... We did. It it wasn't verbal. It was very like, oh, shocked face, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, but we, we don't know what that is other than shock, you know, other than what? So... I don't we I, I feel like I can't say about Ruth, but I, I do think that like what David's 30, 31, 32, I think 31, 32. And he lives with her. Like the fact that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. mm-hmm. you, you, something you just said. I, I found very interesting. Both. I think Ruth and Angela probably think they are helping David or doing right by David. Mm-hmm. And they're both wrong. Totally. Ruth thinks that the right thing to do is to not pry and not ask questions. And Angela thinks that the right thing to do is to assume that everybody wants her take. (laughs) Right. They're really the antithesis of each other. Mm -hmm. I really, I think I was misdirected a little bit in the episode because I kind of thought that they were going to be buds for some reason. But no, 
No, not at all. I thought they'd be able to connect and like. I could see that. I could have seen that. A lady kind of way, and I'm. But she's a MacGuffin, and she was just like, I guess the only way that the writers thought that they could disclose that information, because you know. Well, uh, that's an interesting. That's a that's a gauntlet you've just thrown down. Because I actually think there's a bunch of different. There's so ways much wine on the floor now. <laughs> Sorry, I made a mess. <laughs> There's there's a bunch of different ways they could have had Ruth find out about David's sexuality. Absolutely. But they picked this one. I know. Because like David could have had that very stern, like always pointed down eyebrows kind of a mom. Marco Ruth. Oh, oh no, you no, know? no, sorry. <laughs> and like, you know, just been like I'm like he could have just told her straight up. I think in another parallel universe, Nathaniel definitely could have let it slip. Or Brenda would have said something. Yes, right, right. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming that. Mm-hmm. But they chose this rando, almost like there's no real repercussions for her for that behavior. And here's what I like about what you just said. Even though she is walking away from being fired, but she was being fired for something else. True. But what I like about you just what you just said is that you're right. You can imagine that it would have made it approximately as much sense to have Nate or even Claire accidentally reveal it. But another thing that happened in the last episode that we didn't talk about very much is there's this emerging narrative of the kids looking out for each other more. Yeah. And really being on the same team and kind of intuiting each other a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Like they they cover for Claire um, in that scene at the table and... Nate and Claire have their conversation about Claire's trauma and stuff. Like, they're really kind of getting on the same page a little bit more. So, in that sense, and I wouldn't have thought of this unless you had said that, it actually wouldn't have totally worked for one of the siblings to accidentally out David because they're kind of clocking the fact that he's on his own schedule with it. Totally. I think at this point in the series, yes. But I could envision earlier in the series when they both had just found out that they would have maybe blurbed to Ruth. But I think mm-hmm. at this point, you're totally right. It so, occurs yeah. to me also as we're talking about this that David actually gets outed twice in the episode because at the end when he meets up with Keith mm-hmm. at the food handout, right? Tracy comes over. Oh, Tracy. And she is- causes me such anxiety. I don't know. Do you think that she inferred that? There was a look because she she says in her very Tracy way where she like says the subtext of what's happening. Yeah, I know. She's she goes she says something like, "Well, it doesn't make any sense that you guys would be here talking. Everyone else has left. Why would you still be Oh, uh, I'm just going to go." Right. Which right, I right. think is intended to indicate that she figures out in that moment. Maybe there's another reason David was not about the Tracy vibe. Right. Right. But, so twice in the same episode, David's sexuality is revealed. He's been trying to hide it from. Yeah. Although he does not really seem that stressed about it in the Tracy scene. No, but he did point blank tell her that he was not gay in an earlier episode. And she was like, oh, well, thank God you're not gay. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he did. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Tracy... She knows that there's a pre-existing relationship here. I don't think she is bold enough to take one step further and admit that David and Keith are romantically interested in each other. 
I don't think she's there yet. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Oh. I think she's probably like, oh, it could be, but I'm not going to think about it. You know, like she's a big mm. suppression. Big S. I mean, some That's- of this is informed by what happens with Tracy the rest of the way in the series, which I... I thought you forgot everything. Will not reveal. I, like an alcoholic who's been on one too many benders, I'm starting to have glimmers of memory flicker to the surface the longer we watch. And I do remember what happens with Tracy, I will not say. But my point of view on that interaction is informed by that memory. Interesting. That's all I will say. Okay. Um, Talk to me about the message you received from listener... Emmanuel. Oh my God. Guys. So we love, 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 love when you message us. And you can do that at FFG at WALT dot FM. M. So my friend Emmanuel. Okay. The first thing he said was, oh God, fucking Brenda, exclamation point, exclamation point. She's an acupuncturist. Like that's so on the nose. Do we think that her being an acupuncturist is on the nose? I mean, within the context of the show, I feel like what they're going for partially with Brenda being an acupuncturist is that she knows how to find people's pressure points. You're fucking good. And give apply just the right amount of pressure to them so that they open up to her and then she can use their loyalty for her own but nefarious she's purposes. the one in control in her mind at least oh that's fucking good dingman why, bravo why thank you okay so then emmanuel was like i feel like you guys never talk about the juicy stuff <laughs> like how brenda alleges to fingering guys and i was like what okay i, I, don't, I remember don't remember that, that. emmanuel we're going to have to talk about this but i don't remember that and i do feel like I honestly feel like the sex, the sexy sex has gone down a little bit. Maybe that's because we're at the point where David's in a bit of a desert and Brenda and Nathaniel, Nate, are, they're like at that point of the relationship where it's like, we're not boning 48 hours a day. Well, it's, and it's more about their, can, it, it's about the fact that their connection has moved past that in the story, I feel. Right. Um, presumably, they are still having sex with each other, although for a bunch of the early episodes, we only ever saw them... Like post... Post-coitus. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, speaking of sex, the other thing that I was nervous to bring up, but Emmanuel said, which was... Oh God, ew, why is Brenda's brother eluding sexual tension? Is this insinuating incest? This is wild. Okay, wait. I also want to say that I think he is referring to Oh, I think he's talking about episode five. Episode five. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I definitely felt some like weird, weird tension in a moment in one of those. And I think it's definitely Billy. And we already know that Brenda and Billy have a very strange relationship. We do. And that boundaries have been blurred. And I think Brenda is like trying to, you know, like reinforce some walls that were never built in the first place. So I don't know. There's something there's something very strange about Billy. And there's there's even a one point where she's like, what, you think I fucked my brother? Like I, it just makes me feel, I don't know if this is ever going to come out in the actual plot, but it makes me feel like 
they're something happened to them as teens. And like, maybe this was just something that the two actors discussed and it's never going to be in the plot, but it totally feels that way. And we do see, we should recall in the episode where I forget if this is episode five, but the episode where Nate gets too high and starts having these delusional visions, we do see Brenda and Billy making out with each other in that episode. We do. But the implication is that that's Nate being excessively stoned and having a paranoid freakout. Right. So I don't know if we can put too much credence in that. That's more of a, like, from Nate's perspective, anxiety thing. But... I don't know. This is a tricky one for me to address because this is another thing that I I do remember what becomes of this storyline. Okay. So I don't want to say other than that. I think their their use of the allusion to the possibility of some kind of incestuous relationship is resolved in a very intelligent way ultimately like they're not just doing it to be exploitive or spicy got it they're really driving at something deeper very deep about Mm. the dynamic between the two of them that will be revealed presently interesting cool i i just wanted to call it sure and i'm really glad that emmanuel said something because i was like did I feel that or am I making that up? No, and it this is this is definitely an example of something where I, regardless of what ends up happening with it, I wasn't surprised about it or thrown by it because that is definitely an element that I remembered. Got it. From the story. So it didn't stand out to me in the way that probably I can't remember, but probably the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. I too felt a great deal of anxiety about the fact that that was being invoked and right. how it was gonna be Ugh. addressed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, the last thing that Emmanuel said was, I think he was talking about episode six. He's like, I'm so glad Brenda is likable now because that haircut was beginning to fuck with me. It's like, which direction does it want me to look? And I was like, I know. I feel like because the show started in 2001. Oh, my God. His hair, her haircut, like, doesn't know what decade she's in anymore. You guys are team judgment about Brenda's sartorial choices. Yeah. Does hair count as sartorial? Somebody I'm also going to say that, like, aesthetically, that transition from the 90s to the 2000s was a rough one. This is a point you've made before on the show. Rough. And it is accurate. Just saying, and it shows itself most in Brenda's haircut. But it would just, it would never occur to me (laughs) to associate my evaluation of her as a character with what the costume designer on the show told her she had to wear. I don't think that it's, no, but if you think about it, like someone's haircut is a window into how they think, you know? That's true, that's true. Like how they choose, how they think that they look good or feel comfortable, you know? So what Here's do you think? the woman's greatest accessory, Samuel. That's <laughs> all I have, which is why I should probably stop picking at it. Anyways. <laughs> so thank you, Emmanuel. Yes, thank you, Emmanuel. I love you, and I can't wait for you to be on the show. And again, if you guys want to send us your thoughts, if we got it right, if we got it wrong, an added layer. If you're like, you don't fucking talk about this enough. 
Email us at ffg at w-a-l-t dot f-m. It's actually really great to start the show off talking about your you all's responses to things because mm-hmm. it helps us reset our frame a little bit as we go into the episode so that yeah. we're not just carrying our boring old bag of assumptions from week to week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that bag's getting heavy. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, let's start. Episode 11. <gasps> Here we go. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. I was drunk. I was very drunk. You're lucky I had a couple of connections with the Vegas PD. All the charges are being dropped and your files being tossed. Next time, you won't be this lucky. Thank you for doing this. David, I did this because I love you. But I won't ever do it again. Well, this shit isn't good for either one of us. You need to get yourself some help. Bye, David. Okay, say what you're about to say. Nope, I said all the good stuff already. No, Adrian. <laughs> I'll never remember. Don't it. rob the people of your brilliance. <laughs> I feel like there was a theme of like coming together and going apart. Mm. I feel like some things came together and some things got pushed apart. Say more. Tell me everything. Okay, so starting with the baby. Oof, I don't like this one. But stylistically, it was really interesting that this is the first time that they put the camera as the perspective of the person who's dying. They've never done that before. That's true. You yeah. know, like it was just the baby. Well, so and- let's let's start there because... I wondered what you thought they were going for with the mobile. You know, because it zooms in really slowly on the mobile. You see the the black and white squiggly lines. I kind of thought... And then you see that creepy baby face. I know, I didn't like that face. I kind of thought that there was something about, like, tricks. That there was something of, like, Hmm. things are not what they seem here. Because they are, like, very strange shapes and then they go to vegas later you know which is the land of things are not what they seem that's interesting brenda says i love this place it's the most artificial place on earth yeah and i was like you've never been to singapore but (laughs) i did feel that there was there's clearly something behind the repetition of the lines some babies are just it was some babies are too good for this world. And then some, and babies, some babies are not meant, meant for this world. For this world. And oh, I, God. I couldn't help thinking about both Billy 
in the context of that second remark, some babies are we just weren't meant for this world. And oh, Gabe, Ooh. because they both have Whoa. S- so much trouble being in this world. They oh. just seem to be such magnets for struggle and hardship and pushing people away. To go back to your point about Whoa. it's an episode of pushing pull. people away. But that feels, I mean, I definitely, I think there's, I feel better about making a connection between that line and those characters than I do about making a connection between that line, those characters, and the squiggly lines in the mobile. Hmm. <laughs> right. Um, I guess maybe another theme that you can pull from it is things end before they even begin. Another way of looking at that mobile is maybe that it's black and white. And this is a show about how nothing and nobody is black and white. Right. Not death, not people. Right. Not the business of taking care of people after they die. Yeah. And so maybe the the squiggly lines are intended to suggest the blurring of that and that mm. there is something very maybe the only black and white is that it's a tragedy when a, a baby dies. Hmm. Or like the only definitive is like, you will die. Yeah. Huh, that's an interesting, I don't know. This is definitely one where, I, I mean, as with all things we discuss, I would love it if people would write in and tell us what they make of things. Please. But this in particular, I would love to know what you all thought about that. Yeah. Because it was, there were some things, I mean, in terms of the connection between the the opening death and the rest of the episode, mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting, at the beginning of the episode, this little baby runs out of breath. In the middle of the episode, Ruth is at the flower lesson. Yes, I was thinking about that. And she learns to breathe. And in particular, the teacher says the line. Let me just look at my notes here. We have to. (laughs) I am unashamed of my notes. I know. The teacher says we have to split the stems so they can draw more water. We have to smash the stems, yeah. Smash the stems so they can draw more water. And then at the end, they... The last thing we see is that Rico and his wife's new baby, they clear its nasal passages so that it can draw more breath. Mm. Ooh. So there's a continuum there. Ooh, ah, nice. And it's very full circle, baby's breath, baby's breath. Baby's last breath, baby's first breath. Yes, and perhaps Ruth was even incorporating some baby's breath into her flower arrangements. Damn, Dingman. Whoa. That was a great pull. Whoa. You know nothing of flower shops. That's true. That was great. I have literally, in this sentence, used all of my flower shop vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we start with the passing of the bibi. Yes. Ugh. Um, Right on cue, based on what we were talking about in the intro, Ruth has a total freak out about seeing David's partner from the night before. Yes. Maybe partner's a strong word, date from the night before. And definitely 
has an absurd hallucination about what she imagines gay life to be like, which Absolutely. is David being flogged. I know. But th- does she really blast him with the hose? I think she does. You think that was real? I think she does, because he walks away and goes, bitch. Yeah. I don't think she would add that in her own fantasy about, or like a weird. Oh, good point. Revenge fantasy. Good point. She probably so, wouldn't. I don't know. That was a vicious thing for her to do, to just blast this dude with a hose. I it, I don't think that she is super comfortable with his sexuality. <laughs> Apparently. I don't think. I think in the beginning it was like, maybe she will be super open-minded, but now that we got that glimpse as to what she thinks he's doing, definitely shows that there is there's a lag there. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, was it not um not gay friendly? No. Not gay friendly at all, which was like, ugh, Ruth, not a I mean, elsewhere in the series, unless I'm misremembering, we have seen we've seen homophobia, but it has never necessarily been rageful to that degree. Yeah. And that was very, I mean, that that's the most homophobic act we've seen so far in the series. Yeah, definitely. If I'm not mistaken. And I think, I don't think that Ruth is someone who is, I think she might be like mildly homophobic only because she doesn't understand. But I don't think that she hates gay people in the way that some people hate her, you know, like. So I think she just doesn't get it. So I don't know. I don't know really what to read of it just yet. But David gets outed again. He does. That's the other thing we talked about in the intro, and it happens to him again at the strip club. I know. But what did you think David has that line, which is sort of a joke where they say, like, David, we wish you'd told us. Right, which and I then, kind of loved because they were like... That was lovely. They weren't like, what the fuck? They were like, oh, why didn't you... You know, like that was very sincere. Yeah. And then he was like... And then he says, I wish I had too. I know. Did you take that for just a sort of playful rejoinder or did you take that as maybe he is starting to wish that he could find a way to be a little bit more open? I think he's open. wishing he could find a way to be a little bit more open. I mean, because I think he doesn't know how to weasel in, like, and I'm gay, you know, like, because, and it sucks because our default brain is like, oh, you are straight, and gay people right. have to explain themselves all the time, especially if they don't fall into, like, you know, I feel like some people make assumptions over, like, how gay people are supposed to behave. And. David does not portray himself in a very stereotypical homosexual way. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, so I can kind of understand those guys thinking like, oh, he's just one of us, you know? Right. Well, he, I had the sense in the scene, maybe what I'm about to say is no better, but he is trying to present in a masculine way, a, a stereotypically masculine way. Like he's having a great time at the strip club. And I think he was having fun. I think he was like, this I agree. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was having a bad time. I don't think he was having a bad time. But I also think that 
he's clearly dealing with the tension stemming from the fact that in his speech that makes these guys want to party with him in the first place, yeah. he literally goes off script. He throws his cards up in the air and he decides to drop the the illusion of propriety and caution. Yeah. And just say what he really thinks and be who he express who he actually is yeah. in in a in the funeral director context. And I think a little bit what they're going for with him at the strip club is that he's starting to wish he he's getting closer to a place where he can just do that in his personal life too. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting pivot though because he goes from the strip club and being outed to fuck it. I want to get laid right now. I'm going to call a prostitute. So David gets caught cock out. Actually, it was pretty deep inside of a guy. Yeah, true. What true. I I kind of want to remark on David's sexuality. On he gets like I've never mm, as a lady I know that some ladies get really turned on by like being called slut or bitch in the bedroom. And that's never been my jive. It's totally fine if it's yours. Gals, do be called whatever you want as long as it's consensual and safe. But David is like calling the other guy. I think that that scene really showed us like this strange like self-loathing that David has a little bit because he was calling the prostitute, the male prostitute, a, the F word. I'm not going to say it. So I think that really gives us an insight that he's not there yet. You know, or that like this self-loathing is tied into him actually being sexually aroused. Um, he's getting there. He, it, it, we're, we're watching him. We're watching him in the midst of his journey and struggle for we sure. We really are. This is a big journey. This is a big journey. And so when Keith bails him out at the end. God bless you, Keith. I want to kiss you, Keith. I know you'll you won't get anything out of it. <laughs> I will. But god damn it, Keith. He is a superhero. He's he's literally he, he he's, is he is he's the, like super cop. He is the best character. He also has like he's the most comfortable with himself and he just has the highest moral standing. I mean, he he calls David out for the kind of crisis moment that David does appear to be in. He calls him out for not being safe with yep. Brad. He calls him out for beyond that, I think just, just like kind of being shit together, man. Drunk and Disorderly, reckless. Disorderly doing it in, in the first public. place. Yeah. 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 Um doing something that he knew was going to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, and is so out of line with the rest of David's personality. Yeah. And he tells David that he loves him. I, a lot of I love yous in this one. A lot of I love yous. This is a bit of a hard pivot, but I think it will make sense. Yeah. Gabe and Claire. Gabe and Claire. This was Hit a big... Hit me with it. They Their relationship was like an accordion. It was pushed in and pulled out and pushed in. I mean, it's obvious that Claire is too good for him. And we understand that he's struggling. He's had a really hard childhood. He does not have a happy home. Seems like never. And yet, I don't understand why Claire is so drawn to him. He's very neglectful. He's very careless with her feelings. 
he did in like the past few episodes kind of I think he had this bit of like come to Jesus. I think we talked about the apology of like, do you always get the apology that you wanted? But then he pushes her away again because I think that he knows that he's destructive. True. But also he has no reason to trust someone who is purporting to show him love and intimacy because he just he probably doesn't even know how to handle it. Those people have either left him or abused him. Yeah. I do think he genuinely does care for her. And I do think he likes being cared for by her. Yeah. I think it's just really hard for him to accept it because he he's been so trained not to trust it. Yeah. Can we clarify something? Oh my God. Was the overdose intentional or not? I think it was. We think it was. I think it was too. I think she was just telling Ruth Oh yeah, definitely. that it wasn't because she didn't want to go there with Ruth. Because yeah. Ruth like knows this shit. It's been her profession, you know? And I think maybe one of the reasons he is angry is because he's like, I don't, I wasn't expecting to ever see you again, you know? like Right, now I have to deal with this other thing that I messed up. Yeah, exactly. Also, probably the day that she saw him in the hospital, he was like probably going through withdrawal and was just like angry at everything. True. And his mom has been sitting there giving him the third degree for hours. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of reasons, legitimate reasons why Gabe and Claire are not a good idea, but there is also clearly... There's, they are weirdly connected somehow. So what do we think their connection is? Like, what's the root of their connection? There's something, I think he likes her because she is, she has a mind and she's, I don't know, she just is very much herself. She doesn't really change for other people. And she's very smart and she uses it. She doesn't, she doesn't hide it. She's not embarrassed by it. And all Gabe does is change for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm also just really thinking back to when I was in love in high school and I was just fueled with all of those hormones. It was just the most intense thing. And, you know, I'll never feel love like that again, but I just... I'm just going to let that one go by. <laughs> I know that, you know, like, when I look at teenage relationships, I do have this lens of, like, it doesn't have to be the way that I judge an adult relationship. Yeah. Because that's so different. But in high school, I was in a relationship for three years, and I, like, don't think we ever had a full conversation, you know? <laughs> so I'm also just reminded that, like, they're looking at each other through the fog of hormones. But I think you're actually really onto something here, Adrian, because the other thing about Gabe and Claire that they have in common is, yes, they are both flooded with the same hormones that most teenagers are, but they are also both teenagers who have had to grow up very quickly. Totally. In emotional ways that other people in their class probably haven't been pushed Absolutely. to do as much. So that is a real source of connection for them, I would imagine. Yeah. Let's talk about... Okay, so now let's talk about this Brenda. I miss you. Right. Okay. that's a bigger one. So I... Wait, has Brenda said I love you? She has not said it to Nate, but she has told Billy that she loves Nate. Yes. That was in the last episode. Yes. 
in the last episode, I was talking a little bit about how I felt like I realized how hard it is for Brenda yeah. to have to deal with all the slings and arrows of the Billy stuff because she's so alone with it. She really is. And she can't. Her parents are not there. Yeah, and it's hard for her to talk about it with Nate. Yeah. And I felt in this episode, like I understood that on an even deeper level when she said, I'm going to miss you because I realized, I think, that a big part of why she, in earlier in the series, we were talking so much about how much she always wants to be around Nate. She's always like, well, leave your phone on. Let's hang out. I want to, let's oh, get together. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so eager to spend time with him. Yeah. The reason I think Brenda is so thirsty for time with Nate is that when Nate's not around, she's always has to deal with the possibility that she might get stuck with Billy. Mm. And it's not that she doesn't love Billy and it's not that she doesn't want to help him and be there for him, but yeah. it's so lonely for her, it seems, to be stuck being his only resource and his only outlet. Right. And now she knows this very upsetting information that the whole pretense of her decision to not go to Yale. Right. Because Billy had supposedly made an attempt to take his life was fake. I feel like I was realizing in this moment that the reason Brenda has such a need to be with Nate partially is because she loves him, but partially is because. And it's not a, it's not drama filled with Nate. It's a way of having intimacy with somebody. Take sex out of it. It's a way of having intimacy with somebody who is going to reciprocate. Yeah. Where it's a two-way street. Yeah. And She's not used to that. That must be terribly lonely for her and crushing to have to deal with the weight of that responsibility. Totally. And then, of course, she ends up deciding to tag along on the Las Vegas trip. Right. Because she can't bear the thought of oh, yeah. being there or potentially alone with Billy. Exactly. I think. One of the things I love about this show is that in that moment, they both get to have the joke of, oh my God, Brenda, seriously, you're tagging along on this trip that you have no reason to go on? Right. You get to see David be like, Brenda, are you serious right now? Like, why would you come on this? And also, I think David was like a little bit hoping to get some time with Nate and network and stuff. Right. So you get to have that comedic beat, but you also completely understand why Brenda's there. Yeah. And why Nate is happy that Brenda's there. Yeah. Because that is, whether or not it's healthy, we can debate that. You, Their relationship feels so fully invested yeah. by now that it's not just a throwaway joke. And I love that about Six Feet Under. Totally. I feel like Brenda and Nate are in a really good point in their relationship right now. Yeah. And really just from top to bottom, that whole episode, like they were just very loving towards each other, having really fun time. And then, and I thought, I felt that the most when they were looking through the photos. And I was like, this is really sweet. And it just seems so natural. And so like, we care about each other. We're in a healthy relationship. Look at us sleeping. Oh my God, who took this photo of us sleeping? You get it. And I get a chill in my blood in that scene. Oh my God, that's so fucking scary so right so then billy comes and stalks brenda and it's it's particularly effective i think in that scene because it's it's not just that billy took pictures of them without them knowing it it's that Ugh. we already know that billy is a photographer yeah and that the way he expresses 
himself yeah. and his struggles is through taking photographs. Yeah. So it feels particularly intimate and gross. Gross. Yeah. Because now we're like, because we, it's also interesting because I had this thought of, oh, we didn't see Billy the rest of the episode. Like, that's really mm-hmm. weird the rest of the time that they were there together. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't there. Right. I also do feel, though, that there's a way in which, you know, we talked about in the, I think it was the last episode where he has his photo exhibit, how the photo exhibition was called public-private. Right. And that I think part of his deal with the photographing people is him trying to understand his own relationship with boundaries. Yeah. And so the fact that he took pictures of them, obviously it's gross and inappropriate, it also feels, and again, I think this is a testament to the show, it also feels like a cry for help. Like that is him saying totally. in the only language he has, totally. I don't know where I fit in this relationship and it mm. scares me. Oh no, don't make me feel bad for Billy. Going back to the mobile, not everything is black and white. <sighs> Okay. Well, friends, this has been another episode of Fisher Family Ghosts. We thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. If you would like to reach us about any of the subjects we discussed, as Tell always. Us if we missed anything. Absolutely. Send us a note. FFG at WALT dot FM. Adrian Bain. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell these good people? And I mean good people. They're good people. Because I firmly believe that everyone listening to this is a good person. Good person. Mm -hmm. And good people, they like good things. Good people like good podcasts. Like the other ones that we have. Boom. I am the host, creator, producer, writer, interviewer, sound designer of my very own podcast, Strangers Abroad. Let's just say it. You're the maven. It is a narrative travel podcast. And... I interview strangers that I meet while I'm traveling, which hasn't been a lot this year, but (laughs) there's some new fun stuff coming up. Oh, yes. And I tell a lot of my own stories. So if you ever feel like you are itching, dying, if you've never taken that trip that you always wanted to, this podcast is the inspiration to do that. You can travel through the mind with my podcast, Strangers Abroad. And you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As for me, please listen to my other show. It's called Family Ghosts. And on every episode, someone investigates the truth behind a myth or a legend that has been in their family for a long time and that they feel haunted by, hence the ghosts. As I like to say, the families are real, the ghosts are metaphorical, and the truth is always relative. Put another way, every house is haunted. Put another way, I think you'd really like it if you like Six Feet Under, since watching Six Feet Under was the thing that made me want to start the show. So please find it wherever you're listening to this. It's called Family Ghosts. And once again, thank you for listening.